John 20, 24 through 29 reads, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the marks of his nails, and I place my fingers in the mark of the nails, and place my hands into his sides, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for <clears throat> the celebration of this morning. We thank you that uh, as hard as life can be at times, that the Easter story tells us that even in the darkest of days, there is celebration that is awaiting us. So Father, help us to sing along with nature, help us to, help us to sing with, along with these characters of Scripture that we've read, read about this morning. Uh, help us to sing uh, your praises because you've gained victory over death. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, when we celebrate uh, Easter, we, we really celebrate uh, the climax of this week that we call holy. And we really celebrate uh, the climax of God's great big story of redemption, his rescue plan uh, to save humanity that we read about in scriptures and really all of human history is based around. On Christmas, of course, we, we celebrate uh, the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Throughout uh, the, the church year, we reflect on Jesus' miracles, we reflect on his teachings, we reflect on how he deeply cared for the poor and how he loved the sick and the marginalized. We see how at times his popularity soared and then at times uh, the crowds dispersed and were gone just as quickly. We've seen how crowds hailed him as the king that first Palm Sunday when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And then we see other crowds calling for him to be crucified just days later. We read about him bearing a cross, carrying it outside of the city where he was crucified, executed amongst other common criminals. And as we read the Jesus story, all the while we think that this is somewhat believable as we read it. It's somewhat understandable. It's somewhat believable because History is full of stories about great movements that have been spearheaded by uh, magnetic or charismatic personalities. And then once that personality dies, usually often in a very gruesome death, then the movement ends. Then it all stops. Even the history of, of God's people, the, the Hebrew people or the Jewish nation, is littered with individuals who would come onto the scene claiming to be the Savior or the long-awaited Messiah only to die and then have that movement end just as quickly as it started. But what makes Jesus different, what makes him unique, is the resurrection. 
What makes Jesus unique is on the third day, his disciples and his friends went to the grave and he wasn't there. Because of that, the resurrection becomes really the most important event in the great story of redemption and ultimately the most important event in all of human history. But it may actually be the hardest thing at the end of the day to believe. It's hard to believe because it is so dissonant with our human experience. I don't know about you, but I haven't witnessed very many resurrections in my life. It's just different than what we experience day in and day out. But despite its difficulty, despite how hard it is to believe, that is the very thing that we are called to do. We are called to believe in the resurrection. Now, pastors all throughout the country and probably all throughout the world will climb into pulpits and they will try to convince you on Easter Sunday morning why you should believe in the resurrection. They'll talk about proofs and they'll talk about historical records. They'll appeal to all sorts of different historical accounts. Some will appeal to archaeology and science, all in an attempt to prove to their people that the resurrection actually happened in time and space and history. And these proofs do have great value. I always enjoy hearing sermons about that because those proofs do have great value. But at the end of the day, those proofs are not enough. Because at the end of the day, the thing ultimately that is required is the thing that we call faith. Faith may be the thing that is most talked about in Christian circles, but at the same time, the thing that is least understood. Despite that, the scriptures are very, very clear that faith or saving faith is the most important thing. It's the thing that restores our right relationship with God the Father. It becomes the very instrument, the very means of our salvation as people. And our story this morning that we just read is really all about this thing that we call faith. You see, after Jesus was uh, resurrected, he didn't put himself on display for all the world to see, even though we think that might have been a good idea. He didn't call CNN. He didn't uh, set up a press conference Instead, what he chose to do is to show up at seemingly random times to a seemingly random group of his followers. And every time he would appear to a few people, the word and the the rumors would begin to spread in the towns and in the villages and amongst all of Jesus's friends. They'd ask each other, Have you seen him? Have you run into Jesus? Have you interacted with him? Because the grave is now empty. But our story tells us about one of those disciples, and he was the unfortunate disciple who had yet to see Jesus, despite the fact that all the others had. And that was a follower who was named Thomas. History knows him as Doubting Thomas. And I've always 
thought, what a bad rap Thomas gets. Poor Thomas, for all of church history, thousands of years ago, he is characterized by his greatest weakness, that he doubted the risen Savior. He was a person who we know to be characterized by doubt. Of course, Thomas had heard all the rumors. He'd heard all the stories, all the people talking. And when he heard them all, he boldly proclaimed this. He said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Never say never, right? Because just eight days later, our scriptures tell us he saw Jesus. You see, Thomas, he, he needed proof, but he never dreamed that he would actually get the proof that he wanted so badly. But then, eight days later, there Jesus was, standing in front of him, asking Thomas to place his hands in the scars. Thomas says to Jesus, I think, which is probably the most powerful uh, passage in this whole story, is he says to Jesus what all people of faith must ultimately say at one point. He says, my Lord and my God. You see, Thomas discovered faith that day in a risen Savior. The, uh, the Puritans, uh, who lived hundreds of years ago, had a lot to say about this thing called faith uh, that we're exploring this morning. And they had a very helpful way, I think, of, of defining what this thing called faith is that we talk so much about. And they defined it really in three ways, that there's, that there's actually three parts to this thing called saving faith that we talk about. They said the first part is that there is a certain knowledge that comes to faith. There's a, a certain knowing of things when it comes to faith. It's, it's a cognitive element that happens in our brains, and it tells us that there are certain things that we just need to know about ourselves and about Jesus's plan of salvation. There's things that we just need to know. But it isn't just enough to know those bare facts just as they are bare facts, as if we were reading them from some sort of textbook. The Puritans said that faith is not just knowing things, but faith is believing that those things are true. That there is a a certain assent that needs to come with our faith. That it's not just about knowing facts. We need to believe or assent that those things are actually true true. That Jesus, God's son, really did become a man. That he really did live a perfect life. That he sacrificed himself for our redemption. And on that third day, he really did actually rise from the dead. You see, saving faith believes that these aren't just myths. They aren't just stories that Jesus' followers put together after he died just to make sense of things. Saving faith believes that they are real and that they are true. They really did happen. But there's one more element to faith that makes it saving, and it may be the hardest one. And that is saving faith is transferring your trust. 
It's not just knowing things. It's not just believing that those things are true, but there's a transfer of trust that happens. There is a volitional aspect that comes to this thing called faith. It's a moment where we say, I will no longer trust in my ability to get myself to heaven. And instead, I will trust in Jesus Christ and his provision for me. You see, all these three pieces are required for true and saving faith. And all three of these pieces we ultimately see in Thomas. He'd heard about the resurrection of Jesus, but he didn't believe that those reports are true. So he he had a certain knowledge. But then when he saw Jesus, he now knew that those reports were indeed true. And at that point, he didn't say, all right, guys, all right, you were right and I was wrong. No, he said this, my Lord and my God. See, that was the moment where Thomas not just understood the faith, not just believed it to be true, but that was the moment he transferred his trust from himself to Jesus Christ. Thomas discovered true faith. So the question that a lot of people will ask themselves really every Easter season, it may be the most important question that we ask ourselves ever in our lives, is what about us? What about our faith? Because it isn't just enough for us to know the right things. It isn't just enough for us to come to church and say some sort of creed. What is needed is the ability to transfer our trust from ourselves to the person of Jesus Christ. It's moving away from trying to make our life work on our own terms by trying to earn our way back into God's good favor. And instead, it is trusting in Jesus and what he did on our behalf that ultimately brings saving faith. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and you might kind of think about yourself and look at your own life and you might wonder, how can I do this? How can I stop trusting in myself? It's all I've ever done my entire life. How can I stop trusting myself and instead experience this saving faith that the scriptures talk about? And let me tell you this, left to yourselves, you can't do it. You just can't. And that is why the scriptures always talk about this. It says faith is always a gift of God's grace. One of the most powerful passages, I think, that are in all the scriptures is found in Ephesians chapter 2, where it says this, For by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. You see, when Thomas stood before Jesus that day, he was probably really ashamed. I know I would have been if I were in his shoes. He had been proved wrong, and I have to imagine that he was probably a little scared. He was probably scared that Jesus was going to yell at him or correct him for his doubting or for his lack of faith. After all, he was standing before Jesus that day as a man who was imperfect, an imperfect man who had a very imperfect faith. 
How will Jesus respond to Thomas? What's powerful is that Jesus doesn't chide him. He doesn't say to Thomas, shame on you, or I told you so, or you should have been stronger. Instead, Jesus welcomes him with open arms. Because even though his faith was weak and imperfect, he was welcomed by Jesus because faith is always a gift. One of my favorite uh, uh, miracle stories in all of the scriptures is found in Mark uh, chapter 9. And it's a story where uh, a father brings his son before Jesus. He's heard that Jesus performs miracles and has healed people. So he wonders, I might as well give it a try. So he brings his son who had been troubled with all sorts of infirmities uh, before Jesus and, and, and breaks through the crowd and brings his son in front of Jesus and tells Jesus about his son and his condition. And Jesus looks at the father and he says, all things are possible. All you need to do is believe. And the father looks at Jesus and he says this, one of the most comforting passages I've read in all of the scriptures. He says this, Jesus I believe, but at the same time, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. And what this man did is he articulated beautifully the struggle of faith that he was feeling in his own heart. Jesus looks at this follower or at this father, and he doesn't say, Well, because your faith is imperfect. Your son doesn't get to be healed. No, Jesus looks at him and says, despite your imperfect faith, your son has now been healed. You see, even though this father's faith was weak and imperfect, he was welcomed by Jesus because faith is always a gift. Friends, the greatest mistake that you can ever make is to think that somehow you need to work up perfect faith before God will accept you as a child. Instead, know that faith is always a gift from God. So, ask God for it. Ask Him for it. Say, God, give me the faith to stop trusting in myself and instead to start trusting in you. God, give me the faith to stop trying to make life work on my own terms. Give me the eyes of faith to see my sin and yet look to my Savior who paid my debt for me. Give me the eyes of faith to rejoice on Easter morning that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. Hebrews 11 says this about faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And friends, that is what is worth celebrating on Easter morning. Let's pray.